Welcome to this week's episode of the North Bible Church Podcast. Now, let's join our pastor as we open God's Word together. Thanks, Daniel. Good morning. Merry Christmas. Well, you're welcome. Thank you. Glad you guys are here. Uh, this is the fourth Sunday in Advent. Uh, we lit the fourth candle this morning, you may have noticed, and um, we, have, we have been in this series, uh, Celebrate Christmas. We began uh, talking about this with uh, how, uh, how the angels, thank you, how the angels uh, celebrated, and then we talked about how uh, the uh, shepherds celebrated, and then how the wise men celebrated. And this morning, we want to finish this part of the series uh, talking about how Mary celebrated and uh, in her celebration as we consider how we celebrate Christmas uh, and, and what that looks like for us. And so we're, we're gonna do that this morning, and I want you to think about this particular verse as we do. It's from the book of Proverbs, book of wisdom, and it's Proverbs 19.21. It says, many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it's the purpose of the Lord that will stand. So we have all kinds of plans. We have all kinds of ideas, but it's God's purpose that we need to pay attention to. And, and that's what we want to talk about this morning, because if we begin the Christmas story in the Gospel of Luke, the second chapter, and the, the first verse, we get this hint about the plans of man. It says this, in those days a decree came from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. So Caesar Augustus, he is the emperor of Rome. He's the most powerful man on the planet. Uh, Caesar Augustus, is uh, his kingdom ranged from as far north as England to as far east as Asia to as far south as Africa. That was bigger than the continental United States. In fact, the Roman Empire uh, was a, a over three million square miles. It was huge. He's the, it's the most powerful country. He's the most powerful ruler in, in the world. And not only does Caesar Augustus rule this kingdom, but he also rules the rulers of the kingdom. And so it wasn't unusual for him to be referred to as the king of kings. Uh, he, ruled from, uh, he, he ruled from 27 B.C. when he was named Caesar Augustus uh, in the, until 14 A.D. He was committed to expanding his territory as much as he possibly could. He often did that in a ruthless uh, way. He was 16 years old when the orator Cicero said of him, he is a talented young man who should be praised, honored, and then eliminated. Statues and temples were built in his honor, and by the end of his reign of more than 40 years, he had established what is called in history the Pax Romana, uh, which is the peace of Rome, often a bloody peace and always a very fragile peace. He had a standing army of 500,000. He had a standing army of a million soldiers, and to maintain that uh, army, he decided there needed to be a new tax. And in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus. And a word, on a word from Caesar Augustus, 1,500 miles away, a, a young, 
poverty-stricken couple, Mary and Joseph, had to start out on an 80-mile journey from Nazareth, where they lived, to Bethlehem, which is their ancestral home, so that they could be counted in this census uh, for taxes. Mary, as you all know, is great with child. She's in her her last month uh, of her pregnancy, and uh, that they, uh, Luke tells us that they were summoned to this town called Bethlehem, Bethlehem, where they were, you know, where it was prophesied over 400 years ago that the Christ, the Messiah, would come from. The prophet Micah uh, recorded that the Messiah would come from this little town. So it's not just a story uh, about Mary and Joseph traveling, but it's also the tale of two cities. Rome is where all the power is. Rome is where the palaces are and all of the wealth is. And Bethlehem is barely a village. It's a poor little place that nobody had paid attention to, nobody had heard much about, but there's a story that's been passed on and that's been preserved, and it's a story of hope and salvation, and it's a story that the Messiah, when the Messiah comes, he will be born in this little village. He'll be born in this place called Bethlehem, and, and that he would be the king of kings. And so who's really in charge of this story? That's one of the interesting questions. Is it Caesar Augustus who has decided that the census should be taken, or is it God who has decided that how, and by some way or means that Mary and Joseph need to get from Nazareth to Bethlehem to fulfill the prophecy that the Messiah will come from this little town, this little village? To understand it, you know, um, we have to be reminded that, that we all live with the illusion of power. We all live with this illusion about power and who holds it. It's easy to seek power. It's even easy to believe that we have power. It's easy to have this idea of where power really comes from. But all of those myths, all of those ideas are broken when Christ comes in a way that nobody expected. He comes to a place that nobody was expecting him at the time and and breaks all of the images, all of the ideas that we have about how power is supposed to look and, and how it's supposed to be shown, and and we have a great example of that in literature as well, and I'm reminded of one of my favorite political essays by the theologian Dr. Seuss. In the great story of Yertle the Turtle, Yertle the Turtle, uh, there's a pond of turtles, and it's ruled by, or at least he thinks it's ruled by, King Yertle. And uh, it begins this way, on a far away island of Salomon Sand, Yertle the turtle was king of the pond, and one day he decides that his kingdom needs to be extended, that this is about his glory. Yertle says this, I'm, I'm the ruler, says Yertle, of all I can see, but I don't see enough. That's the trouble with me. If I could sit high, how much greater I'd be. What a king. I'd be ruler of all I could see. And in those days, a decree went out. And Yertle sent out a decree that all of the turtles should be stacked up to become his throne, piled up one on top of the other. And by his word, the whole pond scrambles to obey. First dozens and then hundreds of turtles are stacked up so that he can see for miles. And Yertle says, all mine, Yertle cried. Oh, the things I now rule. I'm king of a cow. I'm king of a mule. I'm Yertle the turtle. Oh, marvelous me, for I am the ruler of all I can see. 
Yertel Augustus, and he thought that his throne was secure as a throne could be, but it's not. <laughs> that plain little turtle below in the stack, that plain little turtle whose name was just Mac, and that plain little Mac did a plain little thing. He burped and his burp shook the throne of a king. And today, the great Yertle, that marvelous he, he is the king of the mud. That's all he can see. And we're all one burp away from reality, right? <laughs> Many are the plans in the mind of man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. In his love, God set out to communicate to us in the most effective and profound way possible his love that God wanted us to see that it wasn't just enough to be the king, it wasn't just enough to have the power, but that, that to communicate his love, he wasn't gonna stack all of us up so that he could be as high as he could be, but he came down to live among us. God, as Eugene Peterson says it so profoundly, God moved into our neighborhood. That we that we've talked about this, that, that the difference between Christianity and, and all the other religions in the world is that religion is man reaching up for God, but Christianity is when God reached down to man, that he came to us, that he poured himself into flesh. First, uh, Colossians 1.15 says that Jesus is the visible expression of the invisible God. It reminds us that God came to us, that he came in the flesh, that he didn't think it enough to, to be the Lord, to be in his high and lofty place, but he came where we live. And Caesar thought that at his word the world moved, and God saw that Caesar was looking up from the mud. He just didn't know it yet. It was God who was ordering the steps of the world. It was God who was offering a new kingdom. When the God saw the universe, when he looked from the balcony of heaven, into the mud, he saw us. And he didn't laugh, and he wasn't surprised or disgusted, but he came to live with us. And that poor, that poor young couple, Mary and Joseph, that traveled from Bethlehem because of Caesar's decree had a baby in a stable. And they didn't know that the angels, uh, they, they didn't know that the angels were singing before shepherds, and they didn't know that the wise men would eventually find their way to Jesus. They knew what God had promised, and they trusted him. Thanks, Nora. Well, on the night that Jesus was born, Luke teaches us in his gospel that uh, angel came to the shepherds. And uh, we've talked about this because the, how the, the shepherds, how they celebrated and how the angels celebrated, but the angel came and, and, and first said, fear not. That's a good call because they're scared to death. Uh, so the very first words that he had to say were, fear not. And, and so if we really think about this, it prompts us to ask ourselves the question, what am I afraid of? 
in my life? What do, what do I fear? Uh, the angel said, fear not, because I bring you good news of glad tidings, for unto you is born this day in the city of David, the Christ the Lord. And he brought this message uh, to the shepherds. Uh, and then it says that a whole host of angels burst out of heaven and began to sing and to worship. And they were singing glory to God in the highest and peace on earth with, to those with whom he is pleased. And heaven opened up, and the angels sang, and the angels celebrated that the Messiah had come, that Christ had bo- was born. What they had been waiting for for eternity had happened, that God had sent his son, that it was all beginning to take place, it was all beginning to happen. And it said that the shepherds then, after they heard the angels, and remember, the angels aren't singing in Rome, the angels are singing in this little uh, two miles out of Bethlehem. So Bethlehem's too big for the angels to sing. They go to the shepherds who are the lowest of the low, and that's where they celebrate. That's where they proclaim that because the gospel, the story of Jesus is for everyone. It's not just for the powerful, not just for the elite, not just for the educated, but the story of of Christ, the gospel is for everyone, even the shepherds, the lowest of the low, those who are out Uh, They're not even allowed in Bethlehem, but they're out in the mountains tending the sheep. They're the night watchmen for the sheep. And they proclaim, and the angels celebrated that night, and then the shepherds said, let's go and see this thing that we've been told. And, And so they go to see Mary and Joseph, and they find everything just the way uh, that they had been told. They find everything just the way the angels had said that there is Christ and he's in a manger and he's wrapped in swaddling clothes that God has kept his promise. And now the shepherds, they, they worship, they tell everybody, they go out and it says that they go out rejoicing and praising God for what they had seen and what they had heard. So if you want to know how the shepherds celebrated, they were rejoicing and praising God that the God of the universe had come and they were witnesses to it. They had firsthand knowledge. They got to see God's miracle in real time, in person. They were there and they rejoiced and they celebrated and they praised God for what they had seen and what they had heard. And then Luke 2, 19 tells us something really interesting. It tells us how Mary celebrated. And it says that Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Mary treasured all of these things, pondering them in her heart. Now, whether you know it or not, you, you are a ponderer. We all ponder things. Uh, we, we don't tend to think of it that way, but most of the time we really ponder. And, and what this means is that Mary thought about this and she thought about it over and over and over. She thought about all the implications, all that it meant that, that, that God had kept his promise, that Mary, all that she had seen and all that she had heard and all that was taking place, I mean, it had to be overwhelming. It began with the angel appearing to her and saying, you're gonna have this baby, and yeah, I know you and Joseph aren't married, but this is, this is a child of God. This is God coming down. He's gonna fill you. you you're, he, this is gonna be his son, and Mary ponders this, and the, the shepherds come, and they they tell her the message of the angels and she ponders this, she thinks about it. What is this gonna mean? What is this gonna look like in the future? What's gonna happen as a result of this? And she thinks and thinks and thinks and we mostly ponder when we're in trouble, right? That's kind of when we tend to ponder, how am I gonna get out of this? And, and, and we tend to ponder in, trouble, in times of crisis and times of struggle, but Mary 
pondered all of this. She thought about it. What's this mean? What are the implications? What's going to happen as a result? And then the next part is that she treasured it in her heart. That, that she took all of that thinking, all of that pondering. She took all of those experiences, what, what the shepherd said, eventually what the wise men are going to say. And, and she took all of that and she tucked it away in her heart and she held it close. She treasured it in her heart because there was going to be a day coming, there was going to be a time coming when her life was going to get turned upside down even more than now. There was a time coming when all of this whole thing about the Messiah, that, that her son is going to be arrested, he's going to be falsely accused, he, he's going to be beaten, all of these things are going to happen, he's going to be crucified, and Mary's going to take those memories, she's going to take those things that she's pondered and she's treasured, and she's going to pull out that treasure, and she's going to be reminded that God has kept his promise. She's going to be reminded of what the shepherd said, that this is the Christ, this is the Messiah, that God has a plan, that God is up to something bigger than we can imagine and it's going to be those things that she has treasured in her heart that are going to take her through that when everybody else flees when everybody else is frightened Mary's going to stand at the cross because she's treasured what really matters she's held on to what's really important in life that she's kept those things she's kept what's really important the wise men are going to come and they're going to offer Jesus really expensive presents awesome right? She's gonna, they're going to offer him gold and frankincense and myrrh that they're gifts that you give to royalty. They're gifts that an ambassador would give to the king of a nation when, when he comes to, to, to pay homage, when he, when he comes with a message. Then the wise men come and they bring those kinds of gifts with them and they lay them at the feet of Jesus. And, and then you know what the scripture says, how the, how the wise men celebrated? They fell on their face and they worshiped him. And Mary's treasured all of this because she knows that those were just gifts. And those gifts wear away. Those gifts go away. They get used up. That, that, that 30 years later, it's not going to be the presence that the wise men brought, but it's going to be the memories. It's going to be the truth that she treasured in her heart that she's going to bring out that's going to remind her that God had made a promise and that God is good for his promises. He promised, that, he promised that Jesus would be born of a virgin. He promised in Isaiah chapter 7, 700 years before Christ is born, that, that Christ would be born, the Messiah would come from a virgin. And then in, chapter, in, and then in, in, in Hosea 5, that he would be born in Bethlehem. He made all of these promises, and she knows that God kept those promises, and now she knows in her heart that she's treasured those things, that God will continue to keep his promises that he is a promise keeper. That's who he is. And so in a time of crisis, in, in a time of trouble, in a time of unbelievable heartbreak for her, she brings out that treasure and she holds it up to the light and she's reminded that God keeps his promises. She's reminded that God always does what he says. Every memory, everything she's held it closely, and now she brings it out because God always keeps his promise. Not about the presence, not about all of those things, but it's about what you treasure. Because here's the truth, right? That in times of crisis, we are reminded of what we treasure. In difficult times in our lives, we're reminded of what we really treasure. Do I treasure my comfort? 
Uh, do I treasure my position? Do I treasure my money? Do I, what do I really treasure? And, and you know what I think that we find that really matters in our lives is that we treasure the promises that God has made to us through Jesus, that we, that we have life in him, that not only do we have life uh, because Jesus came, but we have life because of the cross, and we have the promise that he comes again. We have promise that we spend eternity with him, and we hold on to those things. We treasure those things in our hearts. Now, I shared this this morning at nine because I had a bunch of little kids sitting right here, and um, I, I just had to tell them about my younger brother, Randy, who uh, could never wait for Christmas to come. He, he just was one of those kids that he couldn't wait, uh, that Christmas always took too long to get there. And my parents, God bless them, but they would put things under the tree way too soon in the game, right? And so he would be sitting by the tree days ahead uh, of Christmas and uh, just sitting there, you know, pondering, you know, what's in the box for him. And when he thought that he could get away with it and they weren't looking, he would go and pull out the packages that had his name on them and you know, he'd hold them, he'd kind of test the weight a little bit, you know, and that's part of how you grade them. And then he'd shake it a little bit and see how it shook out. And, and then ultimately, he couldn't help himself, but he would tear a little part of the packing, uh, package away, the wrapping paper away, so that he could take a peek and find out what was in that present, right? And then he was just lousy at, pa at, at wrapping, so he would try to either pull it really tight and get that torn part back and, and tape it up, or, or he would try to find matching paper, but sometimes he couldn't find the matching paper, so he'd just get a different kind of wrapping paper, and he would patch that, and then he would get every year he's not good at this. Every year he would get busted by my parents, right? And he would be in trouble. And so he would have to ponder his behavior, uh, you know, for days before Christmas. And, you know, he was in trouble. And it was because he was, he was confusing what we treasure. He, he was sort of stuck on this idea that, that it was about the presence under the tree. Now, granted, he was a little kid, you know, 18, 19, I don't know. But, <laughs> all right, just kidding. He's gonna listen to this, too. I'm gonna... <laughs> But he would get confused about what he treasured and that it was about the present, it was about the gift when it was really so much bigger than that. It was what God had promised and what God has done. And so part of the Christmas season for us, part of what we get out of Christmas is that we can ponder, that we consider not the presence that we gift, but the gift that we've been given through Jesus. Uh, and, and what really matters in the world. And you see, you might be just you know, flying high uh, this Christmas season, or you might be having the worst year that you could ever imagine, but it doesn't change the gift. It doesn't change what we treasure, because we treasure based on who Jesus is and what he promised and what he offers us, not our circumstances and, and not what's going on in our lives. And so Mary could stand at the foot of the cross and see her son hanging there and pull out those things that she treasured and have hope uh, and some semblance of peace in her life because she knew what was really valuable. She knew exactly what she treasured, and so part of the challenge for us, part of the question for us this morning is what are we going to treasure? What are we gonna celebrate? Mary celebrated in a different way than we tend to think. Mary pondered and Mary treasured, 
the the promises of God, the things that she'd seen and heard, the things that God had promised, the things that God had done. So this Christmas, what I'm hoping, and because I know that, because everybody I talk to, you know, what, you know, what are your plans for Christmas? Is like, that's always the first question, right? And it's a legitimate, it's a good question. And, and then if, if we talk a little bit, it's just mostly about how busy life is and how crazy it is and, and how much is going on and is there gonna be any time to rest? Is there gonna be time to slow down? Any of those kinds of things. And, and you know, I'm really convinced that we just have to make that happen. Um, I, I think when we forget what we really treasure, um, we, we get wrapped up in, in the panic, we get wrapped up in you know, the gifts, we get wrapped up in the busyness, we get wrapped up in all of those things and we can lose sight of what really matters and, and to just have a few minutes to ponder who God is this Christmas, to be reminded of the gift of Jesus, the real gift, the greatest gift that we could ever experience, that will change our lives. That will mean everything to us. That's where the peace comes from. That's where the strength comes in. I, I, I'm, I'm amazed when I, when I look at the story of Mary and, and I think that this young woman who came from nowhere, who had no, you know, no degrees, no positions, no money, but she had courage that's beyond anything I can comprehend, that in the middle of the worst day of her life, she stands there when her son, when Jesus is getting crucified on the cross, and she has the courage and the peace of mind to stand there and to be there for him in the middle of all of that, and it's only because she knew what she treasured, and she was able to bring those things out and hold them up to the light of what was going on around her. So let me, maybe we could ask ourselves this, this Christmas. Maybe we could just ponder a, a, a little bit. Because uh, you're going to ponder something, right? Um, maybe we could ponder a, a little bit. What is it that I treasure in my life? What is it that really gives value? What is it that when I hold it up to everything else that it has all of the meaning and it gives me peace and it gives me strength and it gives me courage? What, what is it in my life that that, that I really treasure. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you. Uh, Lord, thank you for uh, the story. Thank you for how Mary celebrated so differently from everyone else, but so powerfully than in what she pondered and what she treasured in her heart. And Lord, give us, Lord, the perspective. Give us a little, a moment this holiday season, this Christmas season, Lord, that, that we might consider, Lord, that we might ponder all that you've done, all you've done for us, Lord, how you've blessed our lives, how you've given us life, how you sent your son, Lord, that you keep your promises and you'll continue to keep your promises. And Lord, we can rest in that, we can take courage in that, and we can find peace in that, Lord. So we thank you, we praise you, Lord. We commit all of this to you in Christ's holy and precious name, amen. In just a moment, we'll rejoin our pastor for today's closing thoughts. But first, we wanted to thank you for tuning in. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com. Now, some closing thoughts from our pastor. 
such a great song, isn't it? Is that Here Comes Heaven? Is that the name of it? Here Comes Heaven. Here comes heaven. Okay, so you can, you can Google that. You can look it up. You can download it as you ponder uh, the words of that song, as you consider uh, the words of that song. I, I just, for full disclosure, whatever you download won't be quite as good, but you can still get the lyrics, okay? Seriously. Uh, that's awesome. But uh, have you ever done this when you start to ponder? Um, you, you begin it with, I don't need this. Or um, if I could just, uh, and then you are off into your thoughts and, and you're pondering. And, and what happens is that when we do something like that, when we start it off like that, then the next thing we know, we're sort of spiraling into uh, it's about me and it's about how I feel. And, and we lose sight of the gift that God has given us. We lose sight of who Christ is in our, in our lives. And, and it all becomes uh, you know, centered on us and, and what makes me feel good and, and what I want. So I've got a hot tip for you this morning. I just want to share with you something that I, I do in my own life. I, I go to the first half of 2 Corinthians 10.5, where it simply says this, take every thought captive and give it to the Lord. And when I find myself pondering and starting the wrong direction, when I find myself just thinking that it's all about me and, and, and how my life could be better or what I want that's more or bigger or higher or whatever it is, then I just simply take that thought and give it to the Lord. And I'm reminded of how great he is uh, in my life. And so uh, feel free to, to use that. Uh, and, and if you want to just sort of shrink it down in a, in a memorable way, just 10-5 it. Take, take every thought captive and give it to the Lord and be reminded of how good he is and, and how great he is. And, and I hope that as we enter into this, uh, you know, tomorrow's Christmas Eve, and I hope that you'll, you'll all join us because we're going to have a great, great service uh, tomorrow at 4.30 and at 6.00. Uh, that, but I'm prayer, my prayer is that, that we would take time to be reminded of how good God is. What, what is it that we've treasured in our hearts, that it's the, it's the truth of, of who Jesus is? So we'll have our prayer partners uh, in the, off on the side that we, people would love to pray with you. I would encourage you, if you'd like prayer, to stop by and let them do it. And as always, the prayer table is open, so uh, feel free to stop and re- record your prayer requests. And, and even through the holidays, we'll be praying for you and with you over those things that are on your heart. So take advantage of those things. And my prayer is simply that, uh, that we will treasure in our hearts uh, the gift that Christ is to us, the gift that he is uh, to the world, so that when trouble comes in our lives, when trials come in our lives, we can, we can pull that out and, and we can pull those treasures out that, that we have been given through Christ and be reminded of his goodness and his hope and his power in our lives. So I hope you guys have a great rest of your day and hopefully we'll see you back tomorrow night. I love you guys. God bless. Thank you for joining us for this week's message. North Bible Church is located in Scottsdale, Arizona and exists to equip all generations to love God, love one another, and love the world. For more information about North, please visit our website at northbiblechurch.com.